Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot night with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network, the Thursday edition. Armando Salguero of Outkick.com covers the NFL. He talks NFL with us. It's coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, and later in today's show, Ramon Diaz Jr., former uh, Northwestern football player uh, from years ago, 2005 to 2008, um, he's put his name behind the comments that we've largely seen in anonymity regarding the culture behind the scenes at Northwestern from his time there where he's validating what took place in the, the reports from the Daily Northwestern and, and those that aren't using their name, but certainly their sources for these reports that ultimately led to Pat Fitzgerald uh, being fired. And while he wasn't the head coach in 2005, he was there. And then became the head coach in 2006. Can't wait to talk with uh, Ramon Diaz uh, a bit later in the show. It's coming up in about an hour and 15 minutes or so from now. Uh, Chad, last night, the ESPYs. And we had no clue that the ESPYs were on. Yeah, we uh, you know had a nice dinner, Hutton, you and I. And uh, I enjoyed the evening and you know, had fun here in, in Nashville. And not at one point in the entire evening did I think, you know what? I really need to get home and catch the ESPYs. Never thought that all night. And I, I've talked about this before when there's so much outrage about things that ESPN or the ESPYs that they, that they do, that they award, that they honor during these shows. And it really all starts to matter less when you start caring less. And I, I am here to tell you, this is a true confession right now. Me, Chad Withrow. I watched the ESPYs for years because it was the sporting event on a night where there's no sports. Last night, forgot it happened, didn't watch a replay of it, haven't seen a single clip from it. And I am here to confess to you that my life is not worse because of it. Don't care. It really is a passing, not even a passing thought. It is an afterthought of what goes on in the sports landscape now. And it's because of a lot of silly things that they've done it's also because it's award shows in general are so incredibly awkward and I think are really on the downturn uh, uh, with all of them for the most part. So didn't watch it, didn't care, and I think people that get really upset about things that the SBs will do, if you stop caring and stop watching, I think you'll find that your life is not worse because of it. And one of the things that is a reason you probably shouldn't watch is something we're about to talk about that they tried to pull last night. Yeah, they, I mean, uh, luckily social media uh, has receipts just like ESPN has uh, the rights to the content where uh, Will Kane, formerly of ESPN, now with Fox, he is uh, at the time, this is four years ago, uh, with uh, Charlie Arnold, who's sitting in with Will on first take on ESPN four years ago. And they get into equal pay and the discussion about the U.S. men's national team and men's soccer in general and the revenue versus what was 
uh, seen and known for the U.S. women's national team, which has been and still remains their top priority. They want equal pay. Um, and Will was laying out why it's just not a black and white issue. And it's not just a clear cut. That's what they're getting. So that's what you're getting. And they took a piece of this segment, which you'll hear in just a moment, and inserted it into this montage as they handed out last night the Arthur Ashe Courage Award for the U.S. women's national team discussing equal pay and women's rights. And it comes across in the piece, in the montage, as Will Kane, comma, sexist. But it's not the case at all if you listen to what he was actually saying and you don't just clip the one sentence. So you'll hear portions of what was going down last night, and then you'll hear Charlie Arnold and Will Kane from First Take four years ago. I think equal pay is a ridiculous concept in and of itself. Soccer, for better or worse, on the men's side, across this globe, is much more popular than the women's. Oh, we get that argument all the time. I'll tell you why it's like this. Mm. Now, there's two things, first of all. When you talk about, as Trevor Scales just laid out, the bonus difference between the men's team and the women's team, between what a winner, if it had been the U.S. men, would get in the World Cup and the women. The women got a pool or got paid out from a pool of $30 million from the Women's World Cup. The men would draw from a pool of $400 million, okay? $400 million, $30 million. Why is that? It's because the Men's World Cup generates $6 billion in revenue. The Women's World Cup generates $131 million in revenue. If you wanna talk about pay disparity, the Women's World Cup players get paid out 20% of the total revenue. The men get paid out 7%. As a percentage point, they are getting much more. The problem is, for anybody desiring equal pay, and by the way, I think equal pay is a ridiculous concept in and of itself. If the women generate more revenue, they should get paid more than the men. Don't strive for getting the same. Strive for getting what you're worth. And if you're worth more, then get more. And so what I'm saying to you right now is soccer, for better or worse, on the men's side, across this globe, is much more popular than women's soccer. The women's game had higher ratings than the men's, though. That's so what do you say the, to that? Charlie, that's in yeah, the that United in the States. That was in the U.S. And that's comparing a women's World Cup final that featured the United States against a men's World Cup final in the United States that didn't feature the U.S. I mean, when you hear all of that in its entirety, it's way different than the small clip that they inserted, uh, along with the, they're showing different tweets and uh, feedback and you know, reaction to the, the idea of equal pay. And you can see how it's taken way out of context. Yeah, it was intellectually dishonest of ESPN to play the clip the way they did it. I'll also say this. When did facts become sexist? Because I heard the clip they played, and I didn't even think it was that bad. He said, yeah, for better or worse, men's soccer is more popular across the globe. W what is sexist about that? that is, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even know why he would be mad or anyone would. I, I'd say that right now, and you could clip that all well, day. I'm speaking no, of what, fact. But what they clipped is him also saying, I think equal pay is, is a ridiculous is, concept in and of itself. Yes. And it was playing into their, their theme and their tone uh, of propping up the U.S. women's national team for, you know, 
being so courageous in their fight for this. Yeah, and, and what Will was saying, and, and you're right about that part, that, again, intellectually dishonest of ESPN to do all of this, but what he's saying about the equal pay, and you, you hear more of it there with that clip, is right. if they were making more or there was more interest, they should make more than the men. You know, it, it shouldn't be just about just making it equal. It's about what you're worth, so go get what you're worth. Um, I, I agree with, with everything that he's saying. You know, if you're going to frame it in that text, the, the whole thing about equal pay is if you're doing the exact same job mm-hmm. and you're worth the same amount in that job, then women should make the exact same amount as men, which I agree with that. If you're doing the same job and you are as valuable in that job, then you should make the, the equivalent of what the male counterpart makes in that same position. Um, but this also leaves out, look, this is saying they're, they're soccer players. So soccer players should make the same amount, right? They're, they're all playing soccer. They're playing the same and sport. And it doesn't point One's to a man's, one's a woman. But we live in a market-based economy, and you are what you generate, and you are what you're worth ultimately. And Will did a good job laying out the numbers there in that conversation with Charlie about $6 billion versus I think the number he said was $180 million is what the World Cup generates, men to women. So it is going to be different. 131. I, I've always argued this about the U.S. Women, women's national team. I, I don't really understand. I mean, I, I understand it. I, I know Megan Rapinoe is annoying and she whines and people hate her politics and all that. I, I get that part of it. I don't necessarily understand the dislike, the disdain for the U.S. women's national team for this reason. In this country, we do applaud excellence. And they are excellent. They are the best Dominant. on the global stage. They win World Cups. That's something our men's team would never dream of doing. Yeah, That may never happen in anyone's lifetime. The U.S. men winning a, a World Cup. And they do that consistently. So I applaud the excellence on the pitch of the U.S. women's national team. I have, and, and I, I don't know, maybe they get this. I would like um, sort of a, a, an incentive-based pay. They should make $500,000 a piece if they win the World Cup. I'm all for that. Based on results? Based on results. You make the final, you you make a certain amount. I'm sure that they have an escalator where they get more the further they go. Uh, But I've long been in favor of that. But, I mean, to say that men's sports is more popular than women's sports on the whole and that men's soccer is more popular and generates more money than women's soccer – Therefore, men get paid more than women in soccer. That, that's not sexist. That's, those are facts. We can't misconstrue facts for racist or sexist. Well, that, those also, are the facts. But also, like it's uh, a case in point would be in college right now with name, image, likeness. You know, you're paid based on your value, popularity. Livy Dunn is now doing national commercials for, is it her brand? Her clothing brand, or she uh, no, she, it's uh, for Viore. It's a, okay. a brand that's been around. But I mean, she's doing more than just uh, Instagram posts now, you know. And it's not, it's not any of the quarterbacks we're discussing, you know. But we can also compare it to what we saw uh, at, from Alabama last year. I mean, they they have players on national commercials. Livy Dunn's doing that too. And hey, people that want to get on Livy Dunn and say, "Well, what has she done? Why? Why? That's ridiculous." Right, that that's all, that to me is more sexist than what Will Kane or anyone there is saying. When someone says, "Why is this little girl making so much money? What has she done?" Well, she's got a following and right. she's got a marketing ability, and people want her associated with their brand. So she's going to make a ton of money for that. Good for her. 
Great uh, moment last night from the ESPYs was DeMar Hanlon being uh, recognized and then recognizing all of the first responders that were on hand for that Monday night football game where he collapsed. And, I mean, Chad, there was a long waiting period where it was assumed things were not going to turn out well. It was assumed that based on what we all witnessed on national TV, he was dying. And he was sobbing on stage as he was surrounded by those that were there with him and that cared for him uh, in, that night in Cincy. It was, those are the good moments that you clip and remember. Dick Vitale uh, at the ESPYs discussing in his battle with cancer and announcing last August that he had re received a, a clean bill of, of health re regarding it, saying that it, he, was, he was through it. He's recently uh, been diagnosed with vocal cord cancel, uh, cancer. Now, he, he says that, you know, it's very treatable, uh, curable, a high success rate on that with the treatments. Um, it's unlikely that he's a part of uh, courtside broadcasts this year. I, I, I hate that. Uh, that, yeah. that is just cruel, the, the cancer, you know. Is back. They don't him. pick sides on that. No, it sucks. That that's uh, that's unfortunate. The, the Demar Hamlin thing. Th that's where again, I, I didn't watch the ESPYS, and I'm not missing the ESPYS. But that's what they do well. Is a moment like that. They also typically, uh, other than being intellectually dishonest about Will Kane and what exactly he said, typically their pre-produced stuff is really good. Yeah. When they have the feel-good story. Or the, the tearjerker thing. They can really do a good job pre-producing a segment for that. I've argued that the ESPY should not be a live event. I think it could be a package of vignettes. I think you could honor sports for the year in a very detailed way that would tug at the heartstrings and make people emotional and excited and everything else by just tapping into the production capabilities of ESPN and all the great people they have working there that are really good at doing that at producing segments for TV. I think that that would be something I would watch more than, and I think Pat McAfee's terrifically talented, but I'm going to watch that more than Pat McAfee standing up making jokes uh, in front of a crowd that doesn't want to hear jokes because they all take themselves far too seriously yes. at the ESPYs. I'd rather see more of that. Now, if you're going to get together just to have a moment like that with DeMar Hamlin, the first responders, all for it. But in general, that's a show that works best when they cut away from the stage and they're showing something they pre-produced in a video. Yeah, and uh, just a quick reminder. DeMar Hamlin was in the best location, best spot possible for that heart issue to occur because of the, the number of first responders, the requirements that the league has medically on hand. Uh, if that happens on a sidewalk, he's dying. Right? I mean, the, the best of the best from the local hospitals are there on game day. Not just for that reason, but for significant injury where a, a player needs to be carted off and, and potentially hospitalized. And I, I keep thinking about, man, if that happened anywhere else, he's likely not receiving all of that care in time. You know, this immediate CPR and the different, and the ways they handled it and the determinations made to take him. And, and learning thereafter that, Chad, it was, that was a good sign, not a bad sign, that they yeah. 
put him into the ambulance and well, I remember we had a doctor on. Along with, uh, we with had him. a cardiologist on that talked about this, and the uh, the the example they used of commotio cordis, which is what we think happened with Demar Hamlin, even though no one has said it for whatever reason, um, was someone got hit by a lacrosse ball that went through a lawnmower yes. and hit them in the perfect spot in the chest, the perfect spot of the heartbeat in the middle of it, and they suffered this. And they're only alive because someone else was on the front porch or outside and saw it. Witnessed it happen. And I think about that, what you just said, he was in the perfect spot yeah. with medical professionals and all eyes on him. Players around in that moment, motioning. immediately getting the help they needed. But if you're mowing the yard and no one's around and that happens, I know. You're not you're you're probably gone, right? That it's just it's crazy to think about life circumstance chance in that way and cool to see it honored that way with those that helped save the life of Demar Hamlin yeah that, that was a, a cool really moment cool. yeah uh, Mondo Salguero about to join us covers the NFL for outkick.com he's back on the show coming up and there's a lot to discuss Saquon Barkley potentially holding out and what's up with DeAndre Hopkins plenty of discussion across the league that's next right here on Hot Mike. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Armando Salguero covers the NFL for Outkick.com. He's always at a different location with the backdrop when he joins us. Armando and I are about to be best friends. Yes. Uh, he'll, be, uh, he'll be on co-hosting the show tomorrow. Special guest co-host, yes, Armando uh, Salguero. Armando, thank you for sitting in tomorrow with Chad. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, you know... It's Friday, and that is the that is the best part of the week coming up tomorrow. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, because I have to, Chad. I'm saying it because <laughs> I actually mean it. Yeah. And I just I just want you guys to know that um, it couldn't be any better way for me to end the my first week back from vacation. You guys gonna uh, well, get into the Madden uh, Madden ratings and, and ma- debate? You know, uh, this like is what, I, this is what I do with Armando. I get so excited when he comes on. I, I appreciate him helping out. It's always great to have his his voice on the show that I just give him veto power over every story in the rundown. I say, if Armando doesn't want anything, we're gonna exit out and we're not gonna discuss it. And I, I, I don't know that he's used that veto power yet, maybe once or twice. But if there's a story on that rundown that he doesn't want to talk about, we will not discuss it on the show tomorrow. That I can guarantee, well, Armando. We, we won't be discussing uh, NBA and uh, yeah, because because it'll put me to sleep, and I probably will not be uh, too thrilled about the ESPYS because I'm not a big fan of ESPN after they fired me <laughs> and. <laughs> Well, and they're spending how much? What 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 was the? Uh, 
I mean, they, they could hire uh, 8,000 Armando Salgueros for what they spend on the SB Awards. I mean, we, Armando. Uh, the, those that are no longer with the four-letter network would, would say they were spending upwards of 7 or $8 million on that show. Have you heard that? Uh, I have not. Look, I, I stopped watching when uh, – never mind. I'm not – you know. Uh, I mean, we're not watching either. We didn't watch it either. Uh, and the ratings will probably reflect the, the same thing for the vast majority of the viewing public there with the audience. Um, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Yeah. I'd rather watch reruns of Downton Abbey than watch the ESPYs, all right? That's how, that's how I feel. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to watch it either. Just, you know. I need, to, I need to start Downton Abbey now is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I've, I've never watched the show. That was his binge during vacation, I, yeah. I believe. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. All of a sudden yesterday, the Vegas odds flipped. And, and there, it could be a number of reasons why. But when Vegas odds flip, Vegas knows something. It went from like plus 500 odds for him landing in Tennessee with the Titans and not New England to minus 300 uh, yesterday. It was a big flip. A big flip. It wasn't flip. a slight flip. Is this just... Uh, just um, opinion why that would go is this insider info or is this just reacting to those insiders in New England that are also saying like Mike Reese and others that are also saying yeah he's probably going to the Titans because they've been more aggressive in their offer well the Titans have been more aggressive but it's the difference between you know someone looking at you really really hard or someone like holding your hand. It's not exactly like either team or any team so far has been what I would call aggressive in that uh, the money is not, from what I've heard, is not anything that DeAndre Hopkins at this point wants to play for in 2023. I will say this, um, the idea that Vegas knows stuff you know, I think I have to push back a little bit on that. Years ago, when the mob ran Las Vegas, I think Las Vegas knew stuff. I think they absolutely had insights and were connected to things in sports. And I'm not just talking NFL. Um, all sports. Yeah. But those days have come and gone. And now it's corporations that are mostly running Las Vegas. And Las Vegas told me that Tom Brady was going to be the quarterback for the hometown Las Vegas Raiders. How'd that work out? Um, so, uh, you know, the idea that the, the odds changed because Vegas knows things, uh, I'm not so sure that Vegas knows all that much anymore. If there's a weird spread that's at like five and a half, They'll be right around that number, and Chad and I will be emptying our pocketbooks. That happens once or twice a football season. Well, and the other possible explanation is that someone placed such a large bet or a number of large bets came in at one time that while Vegas may not know, like you're saying, uh, Armando, they get the sense that someone out there knows based on a bet coming in and how much was placed. Yeah. Could that, that could also be part of it. Sometimes just the money will move it. It's not Vegas moving. It's how the bets come in can change it. If that's true, that person better not be associated with the NFL because, number one, um, that's out of bounds, and, number two, they will get caught. 
Well, what, what's best for DeAndre Hopkins? Let, let's just say right now the two offers that are on the table, the Chiefs the reported interest there, but they haven't made an offer, and they don't really have salary cap room right now. But if it comes down to Titans, Patriots, what is the best spot for DeAndre Hopkins football-wise? Can I pick C? Um, look, DeAndre Hopkins is on the wrong side of 30 now, right? And a player like that, is it going to be pay, highly paid? Uh, he has probably made the most money that he is going to make in a contract year already. And so from now on, what is likely to happen is he is going to be a year-to-year guy or he is going to be a mid-range kind of kind of player. And by mid-range, I mean like, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars a year i'm not talking about the 20 to 25 million dollars a year that the elite receivers get or even the 15 million that the next run down gets like obj so he is not going to maximize on the money what i suggest that he do is maximize on the opportunity and the payoff to his career. And how do you get the payoff? You play on a team that is going to compete and has a chance to win a championship. So do the New England Patriots have a chance to win a championship in 2023? Are they going to be in the Super Bowl next February? No, they're not. And, you know, you can argue that they're the, the fourth best team in the AFC East, which is you know, fine, except for the fact that the AFC East has four teams. Are the Titans going to compete for a Super Bowl next year? No. No. Nope. nope. <laughs> They're not. So why is DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, why would one of those teams be so attractive to him when he perhaps can sit and wait out the opportunity or the possibility that a receiver on a Super Bowl contender goes down, and then all of a sudden you're the next guy that is on the free agency priority list, and you're on a Super Bowl champ or a potential Super Bowl champ. And, you know, are you getting maximum dollars? No, but you're not going to get maximum dollars anyway. Armando, let's stay with just tying in the Patriots discussion. There's a report from the Boston Globe that says friends of New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick believe that the six-time Super Bowl winner for the franchise could be on the hot seat in 2023. Is that How crazy does that sound? Now, they then go on to reference, along with the friends of Bill Belichick, that Robert Kraft already made it clear in March that he wants the Patriots to make the postseason and win a playoff game for the first time in five years. I I don't know the dynamic between Kraft and Belichick, but it was always Brady and Kraft whenever they were trying to talk things through. And I never, I don't know if I get the sense that, you know, they get along all that well. I'm, I'm assuming they do. How could you not with the success rate of Bill Belichick? Hot seat? Really? 
There have been moments when Robert Kraft of late has called out Bill Belichick without really going scorched earth on it. Yeah. Um, he has talked about how we haven't won a playoff game, you know, in five years. He has talked about how we're not that team anymore. He even has talked about how Belichick told him that Tom Brady uh, was just about done and had lost the fastball. The Patriots obviously let Tom Brady walk <laughs> into winning another Super Bowl the very next year. So there have been moments where Robert Kraft has seen what Bill Belichick has done of late and shown his displeasure with it. Does that rise to you're on the hot seat, Bill Belichick? Are we talking about Bill Belichick winning three games next year? Yeah, then he'd be on the hot seat. Are we talking about him winning nine games and he's on the hot seat and he doesn't make the playoffs? I don't buy that. I I think Bill Belichick is going to go for Don Shula's all-time wins record. And I think that barring a a a, a catastrophic collapse. He's going to try and do it, and he's going to do it if he can with the New England Patriots. And the Patriots, Robert Kraft, will let him do that. Playoffs are pink slips, Chad. Yeah, crazy. Armando, it's amazing how quickly we went from Buffalo, Kansas City as the teams and the Super Bowl hopefuls to Buffalo, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and I'm sorry, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and not talking about Buffalo as a Super Bowl contender. But when you look at this Bills team, should we be talking more about them as a legitimate Super Bowl champion contender? Yes. Um, I mean, I don't I don't see why not. There are reasons that make you go, hmm, hmm, hmm. Look, there is a certain window that opens for certain teams. And after a while, if they don't capitalize on that window being open, things start to happen. And things have started to happen to the Bills. And I'm not talking about this year. Uh, they lost their, arguably, their best offensive mind. Not arguably, but in fact, their best offensive mind in Brian Dayball, who became the head coach of the New York Giants. He took a couple of assistance with them, including the quarterback coach. Both of those guys were responsible for Josh Allen. Um, the assistant quarterback coach, excuse me. Um, they're now trying to figure it out on defense without Leslie Frazier as the defensive coordinator because Sean McDermott has decided I'm going to do a better job than what he did. I wasn't happy with what he did. So there's there's going to be a little, um, I would say, not friction, but th it's going to be a learning curve there. There's going to be, there's different guys. They've graduated players. Edmonds is gone. Uh, they've lost a couple of guys. Their salary cap isn't to the point where you can just go out and, and add the best talent. And players are a year older. Von Miller is coming back from, you know, reconstructive knee surgery, and he's a year older. So uh, 
is there opportunity maximized to what it was maybe two years ago or that though before those 13 seconds against the Kansas City Chiefs? No. But does that mean that they're not one of those teams? No. I think they're still very talented. And if you have Josh Allen, you're it's like Joe Burrow said, when does the window close on the Cincinnati Bengals? Not as long as I'm here. That applies to Josh Allen as well. Do you think Saquon Barkley won't sign the franchise tag by Monday's deadline? I think, number one, they're working towards getting a deal done, and they want to. Uh, when you see these these leaks from both sides of this issue, um, it, it's obvious that they both are trying to get the leg up on the other as we get to that deadline. And they're both feeling a little heat and they both want to reach for whatever advantage they can find. And as they get to the finish line. So I think that something probably will happen. If it doesn't, Saquon Barkley's not going to walk away from $10 million this year. Right. Uh, he might not show up for training camp. Or he might not show up, uh, you know, early in training camp. But is he going to walk away from $10 million as a running back in the NFL? Uh, ask Le'Veon Bell how that worked out. He never made up his money. And, you know, he is the example number one of how a running back shouldn't handle his negotiation in that regard. Armando, thank you for sitting in with Chad tomorrow. We'll catch up soon. Armando Salguero. See you tomorrow, Joins Armando. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow tomorrow here on the network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up, Daniel Snyder remains in the headlines. He could be throwing a wrench into the Washington Commanders and the NFL's, I mean, their dream of getting him out of the league. <laughs> Details on that coming up. Plus, The uh, dream could become a nightmare. Yes. Uh, plus, NCAA tournament expansion in college basketball. Is it happening, and how soon? Chat, Ed Orgeron, the rumor mills, the reports swirling, uh, about him and interest in Northwestern and then vice versa. The, that headline yesterday when Davey Hudson joined us and he was reading this to us, I, we're like, this makes no sense whatsoever. But does it make so, uh, so little sense that it actually makes sense? And the question became, could you actually make the argument that Ed Orgeron and Northwestern would be amazing partners as uh, the uh, as Edo is at the helm of the well, football program, and that led to a segment called "Hear Me Out." Ah! Stop! 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 Leave 
Please let me go! Please let me go first! I'm doing something! That was a great Tim Robinson from I Think You Should Leave. I, I Think You Should Leave. Uh, so hear me out as Davey joins he, us as well. Hear me out is essentially, you know, this is the way you would announce something coming up that is probably going to be unpopular. That you know, you know what the response is going to be from everyone, so you start by just saying, well, hear me out on this. Hear me out. It's usually followed by something you immediately regret saying. So I think Davey's going to kick us off, and maybe he will oh. regret saying what well, he's going to say. But let's first start, Davey, with uh, could you make the, the argument that Edo and, and Northwestern are, are great for each other? It would be a tough sell, but the biggest thing that I would say is, based off my love life, Opposites attract sometimes is the great year, the, wow. like been the best year, year and a half you can you can have. So that would be the selling point I would have there. Now, will it ultimately end in failure, probably a big scandal and a lot of other things that Northwestern's having to clean up on top of the issues they're dealing with now? Would probably say yes. But you know what? It'd be a fun year. Uh, well, a fun and, hey, one and just year. because and just because that would not result yeah. in a new stadium. And just because people get divorced doesn't mean they don't get remarried later on. You know, that like that's, that's a thing. So can we'll you see. imagine the group of nerds on Northwestern's campus that's oh. forming that alliance to block the eight hundred million dollars stadium? Their response imagine, to Ed Orgeron being the new hire. Imagine the digging behind the scenes that would go on by the Daily Northwestern on that program. Oh my what? goodness! Now I just wish this rumor would have lasted longer. And that uh, know, what, was it Bruce Feldman that breathe. came out and just completely squashed it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking, man, could we have not just let this stay out there just a little bit longer? Now, Davey, to your point, I, I will say on, the, on this hear me out with that, what other national championship winning head coach could Northwestern hire? I mean, you're hiring a coach who has won a national championship. Les Miles? Of the, I mean, or do they vacate? He gone. <laughs> I mean, that one's still, they, they have not had to vacate that. They did have to vacate several wins, though, and those wins are going to cost less miles a chance of being in the, the uh, College Football Hall of Fame based off the winning percentage there. But with, with Ed O, I mean, the, the main question I have for you, Chad, but the answer simply is they don't, there isn't a championship-winning head coach that they could go and pull, at least no. not a live one. Um, so my, my biggest thing, though, is like, what is the equivalent in Chicago for – Ed Orgeron's chicken on stick or coleslaw in a cup. So that's that's the big thing I have if that were to happen. It's the uh, the Chicago beef sandwich would be, I think, the thing he'd have to get into. Okay. He'd have to embrace that that culture. The um, the hot dogs with a really mm. bright relish on it. The dick of dogs. I could, I could see yeah. Coach O getting into the hot dogs, the really bright relish. I mean, I think that's, you know, he, he would – he would take to that part of it, uh, the food culture, pretty well. The rest of it, not a cultural fit at all. Well, let's discuss the uh, intriguing coaching moves that we could argue yeah. make a ton of sense. So uh, let me kick it off by saying, hear me out on this. Ryan Day at Ohio State is supposedly on the hot seat because of the recent record against Michigan. You know, he takes over a program that was dominant against the Wolverines. And we know how that has gone uh, on the last couple of seasons and how Michigan has handled them at the line of scrimmage and they've routed them. Ryan Day, if he's losing again to Michigan, I think Ryan Day makes a ton of sense as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He made sense prior to them hiring Matt Eberflus. And... They've got this pitch with the new stadium that they're trying to get built. It's on hold. They're trying to find the right property that will you know, allow them to actually build where they want to build and the stadium that they want. And 
Justin Fields and Ryan Day. I, I think that would be a, a great match, as well as Ryan Day in the NFL. I think it's the there's only a handful of coaches I would love to see make that jump. And based on, I mean, you're winning at a, at a higher rate at Ohio State. You're losing to your arch rival. Had they met for the college football national championship game, that would have been fascinating to see reaction. And there's already this swirl of, man, he needs, he's feeling pressure to win. You're feeling pressure to win all the time there. It would take losing in a bad way yet again to Michigan. It's possible. And if I'm Chicago, I'm picking up the phone and calling Ryan Day to get things right for a quarterback that they've doubled back on and said, no, we, we had the top pick, but nah, we're sticking with our young quarterback and we're going to put pieces around him now. I'd love to see Ryan Day coach Justin Fields. I, I like it, Hutton, and there's one other connection you didn't bring up. Who is the president now of the Chicago Bears? Ah. Former oh, Ke- Big Ten Kevin Commissioner Warren. Kevin Warren, who would know Ryan Day well. Yeah, that's a great as an, point. As another possible connection with Ryan Day to the Bears. I, Ooh, I, I like and that like one. how Ryan continues to lose to Michigan, he could then do the same with Chicago to Green Bay. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers could continue to flaunt ownership of uh, the Bears, even from uh, the Jets, even when Ryan Day's there. So he likes being owned by a certain program. Uh, hear me out. I'm going to stick with Ohio State as, as the emphasis okay. of what I'm going to talk about here. Pat Fitzgerald's next landing spot. No, not as the head coach at Ohio State because Ryan Day took the Chicago Bears job as, as Hutton proposition. Pat Fitzgerald would make a pretty good defensive coordinator for Ohio State if it does not work out with Jim Knowles this year. In Columbus, Jim Knowles is brought on from Oklahoma State for two plus million dollars a year. It was the defense that failed Ohio State a year ago. Failure against Michigan, failed them late against Georgia. Also, when they got the lead, they needed something from the defense. They did not get it. Ryan Day was recently on a podcast with Greg McElroy, where he said, "Well, it starts with the defense in terms of improvement. There is pressure on Jim Knowles." Again, he's making $2 million a year to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Ryan Day brought him from an outside program to come in and fix the defense. If he doesn't do it, I don't think Pat Fitzgerald's going to be working this year, obviously, while he sorts out all the legal issues at Northwestern. But could Pat Fitzgerald be the next defensive coordinator at Ohio State for a power program? I think it would make some sense. Here's something crazy, though, about Pat Fitzgerald. He's never been a coordinator. He was linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator for two years at Northwestern before getting the head coaching job. So he has not been a defensive coordinator, but I'm pretty sure that Pat Fitzgerald could call a defense and be a defensive coordinator. So hear me out. Pat Fitzgerald's next job, working for Ryan Day at Ohio State. I like it, Chad. You you and Hutton both, uh, you know, we've kind of had that tie going around where Hutton had Ryan Day going to Chicago. I mean, this all started with Ed O to Northwestern. Well, a school that's not too far from Chicago is Notre Dame. And this is unconventional, but I even led off with saying that sometimes opposites attract. And right now, if you go to the NFL and you look at a team that probably has the most pressure, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a hot take here. The New York Jets are not making the playoffs this season. It's not going to happen. I don't care how much they put together right now. Robert Sala, while I like him as a defensive assistant coach, I don't think he's cut out to be a head coach in the NFL. And so I have Robert Sala going to Notre Dame. Now, there's also a lot more involved in this. As what? Head coach? Head coach. Head coach. You know, jury's still out on Marcus Freeman. Uh, so we we will see what can happen there. But I mean, this would require Marcus Freeman getting canned after two seasons. Let's, hey, 
Stranger things have happened. But okay. the other thing on top of this is we're uniting a country here because if you look back at history, Catholics and Muslims haven't exactly had the best relationship. So we're, been, uh, we're mending that relationship throughout time. We're going to solve most of America's problems by doing this. The other thing I have to say is North, Notre Dame fans will love this because the media will only talk about them. Now, you might be saying, Davey, they already do that. True. But at this time, we have a different point we can look at and have a new spin to that angle. So right now, let's see here. Robert Saul is 11-23, and 23, career record as a head coach. You can say, you know what, didn't have a whole lot when he got to New York. Having to deal with Zach Wilson, okay. But, hey, this is a prove-it year for him. I don't think it happens. And so, you know what, at the end of the day, opposites attract. It's boom or bust. I get that. I'm not going to argue, but we'll see what happens. I'm going with Robert Sala to Notre Dame. I, I would, I'm buying Robert Sala is going to get fired with the Jets. And if they don't make the playoffs, he's definitely getting fired uh, with Aaron Rodgers this year. I, I, I don't see any universe barring scandal where Marcus Freeman's going to get fired after a year or two at Notre Dame. I just don't see that as a possibility. I also don't see NFL Now, there is coaches. a new AD coming in to Notre Dame. Yes, yeah. And, and he said he, you know, he likes the, the independence of, of Notre Dame with the, the TV network, so that they're not moving from that. I, I think I know I, where you're going, Hutton. NFL coaches making the move to college is going to be far less likely with everything going on in college. Yes, uh, with the... The schedule, like the, the, the overall transfer schedule, portal, free time, the that, recruiting, the NIL part of it, they're they're going to be if more reluctant school, to do it. Then give you the money, though. Notre Dame's up there. They could pay. There's no doubt about that. But I've got. To, I mean, if I'm making the move from Freeman, I've got to think I'm also going to hire a coach that knows the portal and the NIL space for recruitment purposes immediately from the jump. We're strictly right? going entertainment here. Listen, Hard Knocks coming up. Robert Saul's oh. got a chance to display and he if he's got some charisma. He, he doesn't want to do it. it. And yeah, well, too he bad, has, buddy. That's not a good. No leverage. <laughs> that's not a good sign for his entertainment quality that he's begging not to be on camera for Hard Knocks. He was entertaining talking about Sauce Gardner last year. That's about it. He's got a great defense with what they've built in in New York with the young players. Do I have but, time? Yeah, he's definitely going to be on the, the hot seat. Do I have time to quickly give my pitch? Oh, yes, absolutely. For the week that I've been teasing all, all week, and I'm, I'm threatening everyone in studio that I'm going to make them watch the show and tell me if I'm insane or not for enjoying this program. There is a show, uh, it was a podcast I listened to that turned me on to this, that I just gave it a chance, honestly going into it thinking, I'm probably going to hate this. But I watched it anyway. It's called Drops of God on Apple TV+. This is a show about the world of high-end wine. I am not a wine drinker. I know nothing about wine. But this show, this program, has got me wanting to be a sommelier, wanting me to, to smell wine, to look at it up against a white surface and see the different, the different colors, to, to feel and taste the aromas with the wine. I am telling you, this show is outstanding. It sounds like it's a reality show when I explain the premise, Essentially, the world's top wine person that has the richest private collection and knows more about wine than anyone on earth dies. And in his will, he has his daughter go up against his protege in a wine tasting contest to see who gets the inheritance of his private wine collection that's north of $180 million in value. Also gets his private home, everything. 
And it goes from there. And this wine tasting contest. I never thought anything would make me want to drink wine. But this show has done it. It is a French and Japanese co-production. I'm intrigued by this. With Apple. So the common language is English. When they get together, they will speak English, the characters. But there's subtitles. A lot of the show takes place in France. And then okay. a Chateau in France. And then in Tokyo, Japan. So... Highly recommend I, Drops of God on Apple TV. See, this makes me think of like... Someone was saying The Idol was going to be my show that I oh. shockingly liked. Uh, I, I got through The Idol, and the, the conclusion of it made me hate ever watching a second of it. Oh, I, I like uh, your pitch here to watch this. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm also intrigued with just how someone... Bec- like, a sommelier is... You're basing this off of someone else's taste, right? That has gone on for generations. Yeah. So... Who determined that that person was the one was we were going to base our quality of wine on at that time, and then it became what it was? Now, this you, is less about people are able to like name the age of the yeah, bottle. That that's this is less about like saying what's good and saying what it is. Yes, they can and identify everything about it. Fascinating. Coming up, NCAA tournament expanding when.